2: You're listening to the best of Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and
3: 107.5. The Fan. Speaking of Shane Steichen, let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline right now. The first-year head coach of the Indianapolis Colts, our first time getting a chance to chat with them. He is Shane Steichen. Coach, congrats. Welcome to Indy, and uh, appreciate the time for what is a very busy week for you. Yeah, I appreciate it. appreciate you guys having me. Let's start with, like, what a typical day looks like for you, Combine Week. I know you're finalizing your coaching staff. Well, I, like, Walk us through yesterday for you here at the NFL Combine.
4: Yeah, so yesterday we got a lot of formal interviews with, you know, a lot of the players that are, you know, at the Combine, different positions. We're going through those interview processes, uh, interviewing those guys, and obviously they're quick interviews. You know, you get 20 minutes with these guys in the room, uh, and then you go for a couple hours there, and then obviously you got the workouts uh, on the field and just studying those guys, watching their body movements, seeing how they run on the field.
2: I'm curious coach, when today when the players or the prospects meet with the media and you know CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Richardson, you know they all meet with the media. do you guys in any way shape or form? does that part does the way that they handle that situation, the questions, the throng of media does in any way, shape or form that get factored into the scout of a player?
4: Yeah, I think so. I think you find out a lot about those guys. Any way you can evaluate them, obviously on the field is the biggest thing, as we know. But just how they carry themselves. I mean, especially you know the top quarterbacks. When you become uh, you know a quarterback get drafted early in the draft, uh, you know you're you're it's a big it's a big responsibility you know to lead the charge. Uh, in any NFL organization, um, but yeah, how they hear, you know, handle themselves in front of the media, how they are outside the building, how they are inside the building with their players, uh, and again, you know, I said this the other day in my press conference, it's just the vetting process and really getting to know these guys and what they're about and how they carry themselves on and off the field.
3: One of the other things you mentioned, and again, Shane Seikin is with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline in that uh, press conference, was you talked about your interview process for assistance, and you used mm-hmm. the word grueling. Uh, when I think of grueling, I think of working with my co-host Jake here yeah, uh, for 15 hours a week. <laughs> what, what, what did you mean by that? I guess, can you, can you be a little peek behind the curtain? Like, What is a part of a grueling interview process as you build the staff?
4: Well, I think you've got to be very detailed uh, with everything you do in this profession. You, know, you want to hire the right people. You, obviously, you want to hire really, really good coaches, but you want to hire the best fit as well. You know, uh, from a personality standpoint, how are they going to fit with the staff? How are they going to handle their position? And then really the details of that position, the fundamentals, how they teach the fundamentals. How do you run a meeting? What's your preparation throughout the week? And then really dive into, you know, some things that different positions are different, but like the scheme part of it, how do you scheme during the week? What do you look for? What are tendencies? And then put them through that process on the whiteboard with film study, uh, all those little different things and try to, you know, turn over every rock uh, to make sure you get that right. Coach,
2: for you personally, you know, I've had – we all have has had situations in our career where you start a new job, and the way that I always say it when people are like, are you excited for your new job? And I always say, you know, I just can't wait to get to that point where, like, I'm not sure what day of the week it is because you're just in a routine. And You know, for you personally, it's been – you've hit the ground running. I'm sure it's been a whirlwind. What part of this process for you has been more overwhelming than you thought?
4: Um, honestly, I you know I I've had a, a you know a vision of what I want to look like. Obviously, building it and you know hoping for this opportunity. Uh, you know but, you know starting to you know think about it. Obviously, when I you, when you become a coordinator you know, those off seasons, that summertime is really when you start to kind of put together your vision and kind of your first, you know, 30 days on the job, what's that going to look like and how you're going to go about it. And obviously first is getting the staff together uh, and, and making sure that's right. And then once that gets done, then it's really into the players and the draft process, the free agency, all those little different things that you need to take care of. And so feel good where i'm at right now uh, got some good guys in the building and then once that gets uh, solidified then it's on to the players you know like like any
2: coach and shane Steichen's our guest by the way on the Payless less Lakers hotline like any coach in the nfl by the time you get to head coach you've taken a circuitous route to get there both as a player and a coach when you really stop and think about it the coach that you have either played for or coached under who has the greatest amount of influence that you find yourself going back to to assess situations is who?
4: Is North Turner. You know, I, I got a ton of respect for North. He gave me my first opportunity in 2011, um, and just the way he handled it as a head coach, and just the staff meetings, and how he ran staff meetings, and what was important to him. Um, and then also just for uh, his offensive philosophy and how he saw the game and went about it. Being around him, you know, again, I was started off on defense, and then in 2013 got to switch back on offense with, with him. When you know he took the coordinator job at Cleveland, uh, and then really that's when I really worked hand in hand with him uh, in 2013 and saw how he ran it uh, offensively and the things he did to prepare uh, the players week in and week out, and just ha- how to handle you know coaching staff and. those different things but he did a tremendous job and got a ton of respect for him
2: you know it's interesting coach because when we talked to North turner last week he told us that you know he he mentioned darren sprawls right away it was like the first name he mentioned that in terms of what he was able to do with him naeem hines was kind of that kind of guy for indianapolis i realized that was before you were here when when hines eventually ended up in buffalo but could you use that kind of a player? Is that a kind of guy that you look at and you say to Chris Ballard, like, that's a wrinkle in this offense we could use?
4: Yeah, I think with anything, anytime you got an exceptional player that does something well, uh, whether it's a receiver, tight end, or backs, I think you, you can always find value in those type of guys. Um, so, yeah, if, if those guys come up and we find those guys that can add value like a Sproles, uh, absolutely.
3: Shane Steichen is with us here again as first NFL Combine as the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Shane, when I think back to your stops in Philly and, I guess, San Diego, L.A., you guys had great skill talent. In your history in the NFL, obviously your quarterback resume speaks for itself, but what have you learned about supporting that quarterback with elite skill? There's no question about that.
4: I think when you can surround, you know, your quarterback with elite skill talent, you can be an explosive offense. So as many pieces that you can put around that guy to make him successful, uh, it's going to make him a better player, the quarterback specifically. Uh, but then also just the team. You know, I mean, when you got a lot of guys and you can gel that together and create, you know, what the vision that you want to look like offensively, uh, you can become an explosive offense.
3: We had Nick Sirianni on with us earlier this week, and he obviously was very. High abusive in his praise for you as a play caller. Um, Do you have any sort of concern about what game days are going to look like for you in calling the plays and managing everything that goes on outside of just the immense responsibilities that come with calling the plays? Yeah, I think that, that,
4: that work uh, has got to be done throughout the week, you know, just especially situations that come up in the game so everyone's on the same page. I thought we did a heck of a job in Philly, you know, having our meetings throughout the week. And then we had a big one on Friday uh, after the players were gone and just went through all those situations, you know, end of half, end of game, you know, third down calls, fourth down calls. Uh, we went through all those things, and so I think if you have a detailed plan going into it, uh, you're going to be prepared for those situations on Sunday. But, you, again, you got to have a detailed plan, who's speaking, who's talking in c- certain situations.
3: Is part of that plan someone in the booth that's telling you about challenges and time management?
4: Yeah, again, that's all, exactly. There's there's certain guys that have that responsibility, and we're going to work through all those things this off season and get it figured out exactly how we want to do it. What's the
2: one thing that you look at, Coach, because I'm assuming that that you've had to do some run of the laundry list on the Colts organization or the roster, what's the one thing that you feel most needs a jolt from you?
4: Um, you know, again, I I'm not going to get into really specifics. I just think, you know, the vision that I have for this organization, take it day by day and, and grind it out. And I think again, we got to be the biggest thing for me is the consistency part of it. You know, here's what I believe in, here's what we got to get done day in and day out. And I think if you have the vision of what you want it to look like and you do it the right way, I think you have a chance to be successful.
2: That, that was a pretty good try for me though, wasn't it? I mean, that was that was, that was decent, solid, wasn't it? That was
3: solid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, kind of, he kind of Dikembe mutombo you, I think. That's, with, that's with, all
2: we with, can do, right? <laughs> we got to, you know, that's all we can do. Hey, um, uh, I'm curious, Coach, Shane Steichen is our guest. You know, throughout this process, there was, you know, the the, the interviewing. I mean, we know how long you were here. You were, you were in the building. I mean, you know, you, there were a lot of great candidates. What did you learn about either Jim Irsay or Chris Ballard of the Colts that, that was most of intrigue to you?
4: Um, I just think they're very passionate about the game and, and what they want to get done here. And that was very intriguing to me, just, you know, their passion for the game and, and what they want to get done. And it kind of aligned with a lot of the things that I had a vision for this place. And when you've
3: got guys that are passionate about what they do, uh, I think you've got a chance to be successful. Just a couple more from us. Appreciate your time on this Friday morning, Shane. Again, Shane Steichen is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. You mentioned finalizing your coaching staff. Um, was Bubba Ventrone a guy that you wanted to bring back? Yeah, Bubba had Bubba's a good coach. Um, you
4: know, he had some opportunities out there, uh, and he had a great opportunity with Cleveland. Um, you know, he got the assistant head coach job in special teams, and you know, I think he's going to do a hell of a job there.
2: Were there any? Stipulations in terms of staff for you to take the job when you were in the discussions with them,
4: uh, from them. Yeah, no, they. You know, obviously, I got. You know, as the head coach, I got to pick the staff, and you know, I had a ton of respect for a lot of guys that were in this building.
3: When the quarterbacks, again, Shane seconds with us, when the quarterbacks get on the field tomorrow, is there a specific, like, will you want to be on the field watching them? Do you care that much about throwing in shorts and a t shirt? Well, what, I guess, are you looking for tomorrow afternoon when the quarterbacks throw?
4: Really just their functional movements, you know, their footwork, their fundamentals is a big thing. And, you know, as many many times as you can get eyes on these guys, you know, not just quarterbacks but all positions, just to see their functional movements and skills, it, it definitely helps the process. Is obviously when you go through this thing, you want you want to do as much as you can to see these guys in person, see the different movements, the different skills they have. But again, I said this the other day: it's you know the quarterbacks sometimes you know they're throwing to these guys that they've never thrown to. So like when they miss a throw here and there, like that's not going to be a determining factor. You know, routes on air, you know, guys are going to miss throws. But really, just to see you know the arm strength, the accuracy, the footwork, uh, and just see you know just see their just see their body movements.
2: Coach, I think what. What we have talked about on this show, certainly I have, that impresses me about your resume is that you have worked with and and really helped flourish quarterbacks of different styles. Do you, from a coaching standpoint, say to yourself, I want a quarterback, which is the bigger priority to you, I guess, finding a, a quarterback that is coachable to the style that you would like to see them play or being adaptable as a coach to coaching the style that they're most comfortable?
4: I think it's the second one, being adaptable, because, you know, all these guys are going to be able to do different things, you know, from whether they're more of a scrambler type or they're more of a pocket passer. Um, you got to look at all those different things and really the success, you know, they've had. Are they winners? You know, a lot of guys that I've been around were winners. Uh, they won football games, you know, Jalen, Justin, Phillip uh, were big time winners. Uh, and just really the the way they went about their process and getting prepared every week and how much that they love the game. And that's part of the process that we go through when we're looking at all positions, because there's going to be a lot of talented guys, you know, in this draft, whether it's quarterbacks, wide receivers, you know, running backs, tight ends, you know, DBs, linebackers, D-line, like, well, how much do they love it? Are they going to give it everything they got to be the best they can? And I think if you have an opportunity, you know, some of these guys that play for 10-plus years, they all got one thing in common. Like, they, they, love, they love the grind. They love being a part of the grind. Uh, and then I think that's what separates a lot of these good players from great players is how they prepare week in and week out for games.
3: Shane, last one from me. Um, About a month ago on this show, myself, Jake, my co-host, and Mark, our producer, we did a uh, snake draft to pick who we thought the new Colts head coach would be. Um, I was fortunate enough to pick you. Uh, The bet was that Mark and Jake would owe me a six-pack of beer, or whoever won would get a six-pack of beer from the other two. It shows you the type of people I work with. We're a month into this. Uh, No six-packs of beer beer. have shown up. And so I will ask you. Shane. Did you guys, did the beer get, did you get it done already or no? There are no six packs of beer on the desk of mine. Um, so if you were the one heading into the liquor store near Eagle Creek or 56th street, what would be the six pack of beer of choice for Shane Steichen?
4: I'm not a huge beer drinker to be completely honest, but if I had to pick one, I'd pick a Corona.
2: Nice. Well, nothing wrong with that, right? Hey,
3: I had a couple now, last week in Florida. On the corona
4: beach. probably more for the summertime, wintertime. I, I can't tell you. I know a lot of guys drink IPAs. I'm not a big yeah. drinker
2: though. Uh, I, I'm with you IPA though in the summer is it's like maple syrup, Who, right? Would you
3: go a glass of wine, <laughs> or are you are, are you going a little liquor? What what would be the uh, the what would be the drink of choice? For me, uh, I sip
4: on a thing of bourbon
2: okay nice i like all right i've got two other real quick questions for you coach the first is this the most crowded restaurant in las vegas and every unlv alum from the sports world is waiting to get a table larry johnson randall cunningham icky woods and jerry tarkanian are waiting outside which one gets the table
4: gosh you know what that's a hard question for me because i haven't been there in a long time and there's so many good restaurants there uh i really don't have a great answer for you spread them all out right because i think there's a lot of good ones
2: okay last one is this the movie shane is my dad's all-time favorite movie with alan ladd the old western please tell me you've at least seen it once and you know
4: what i'm not gonna lie either have not seen that
2: (laughs) are you familiar with it nope wow there you go there's your homework assignment. that's the first film you've got to watch you don't have any other film to watch what's your favorite movie that's a great question Shawshank is really high on the list man really high great great movie great great movie there's a good one called Grand Canyon that I'm the only person that saw but that's
4: also I like to say that's my favorite because then I sound smart there you go I love it what
2: about you what's your favorite
4: movie gosh there's a lot I don't know I I don't have a favorite one to be completely honest either there's three answers I haven't given you in a row (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well,
3: all ball, right? But Isn't that, that how Chris Tyler right? described Shane Snykin earlier? <laughs> yeah,
4: you, yeah, you want to talk some more football, I'll give you some
3: answers there. <laughs> it is direct. It is football 24-7, 365. Shane, congrats. What an awesome opportunity I can imagine what the last few weeks have been like for you, especially this week with your first combine. So appreciate you making time for us on this Friday morning and look forward to future conversations. Of course. Appreciate you guys having me. Live here at the NFL Combine, we are rounding out the week. Shane Steichen just
5: joined. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqal and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.
0: When St. Jude opened in 1962, childhood cancer was considered incurable. Since then, St. Jude has helped push the overall survival rate from 20% to more than 80%. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Join me today in supporting St. Jude by calling 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898 to become a partner in hope. Your gift to St. Jude could last a lifetime.
3: us; That'll be up on the podcast afterwards. And we will close out today with Ryan Grigson, of course the general manager here of the Colts from 2012 to 2016. Just experienced a playoff season with the Vikings, senior, senior vice president of player personnel up there in Minnesota. And this is what, combine number... 16, 18, 20?
1: I think it's over 20 because you do the math. But I, I think I, I started coming here in 98. Didn't get invited as a player. Um, so managed to get drafted still. But, I, uh, yeah, so it's up there.
3: I, I actually kind of want to start there, if you don't mind. I didn't even think about this. But, I mean, you certainly, from a medical standpoint the combine would have been a huge deal for you right i I don't know how much probably been a big negative how much you want to share but if you don't mind sharing a little bit medically like that's what this week is so much about
1: it would have been good i got been able to interview with people and things like that but it was uh at the time i broke my leg against iu the last game of my senior year all right against you suckers and then then i ended up um and then i hurt my shoulder so i couldn't bench and i was actually a solid workout guy so i couldn't really even do those types of things so uh but I had a laundry list of, of injuries that happened from 1992 on, and prior to that, like I literally, ne- I never had a twisted ankle, and I, and I played three sports and played contact football since I was a little guy. So, so I got hurt significantly my June, my sophomore year. I was in hospital like four weeks and uh, I was pretty sick and freak accident, and then. Uh, but I started the next two years and still managed to get drafted. I worked out for. A handful of teams right before, uh, right, right before um, the, the last day that you could, and I worked out for the Bengals on a Good Friday. I'll never forget it. The old line coach really liked me, and drafted me. And did that
2: having to go through that, like kind of the scrap and claw. Let me ask you this: the the the, the route you had to take, Ryan, to to become a player in the NFL, that yeah. scrap and claw kind of having to prove yourself type thing. Did that approach? And that journey more benefit you towards yourself for your career, or towards identifying that in other players that you think are, are kind of underdogs that you can look at and say that's going to pan out.
1: Yeah, that's really good stuff. That, that, that's exactly both. I think you hit both of them. I think I, uh, I think you mellow with age, but I think that I rode that wave early in my career trying to like. I've done every job since entry-level combine scout to, to GM now that I've gotten this job. So I've kind of rode that passion and just that chip on my shoulder. Not a lot of guys go D1 out of the region for some reason. It's like you just go across the border in the Chicago Catholic League and, and, and Public League, you know, the whole country's recruiting those guys. Right. And, uh, you know, so I was fortunate enough to, to get an offer from Purdue. And uh, But with with uh, with that, I think that you can't be – truly sol- you can't just draft overachievers you know or you're gonna go on 16 probably so you've got to be able to see if you can pull it out of some really talented guys and some guys that just roll out of bed and can play left tackle or rush a passer I and mean, those are the guys you want but a lot of times are the guys that don't go hard every snap
2: what does this week entail I, that's what i thought you could really shed light on <clears throat> because you've you know you've walked into this event wearing different hats over the course of your career but does everybody have kind of a different role in terms of what they're looking for here within an organization, or, or you know, how does it exactly work out? Role meaning, uh, you know, does one guy, does one guy? say you know you say okay you you are in charge of going and listening to interviews you this you know Jim you're in charge of watching tape you're in charge of watching bench press I mean
1: what what all all goes into the disperse of responsibilities for an organization I mean everybody does it differently I think and every year the combine changes a little bit this is such a different event than it was 20 years ago I mean when I first got into this I worked for the combine and I was the club insert into into nfs national football scouting that's you know based here in indianapolis jeff foster and those guys and i mean i literally the guy that was used to be the boss is a guy named duke babb that was on the first cowboys team in dallas and he was a tough old guy that literally i mean we used to come here and fold socks like for a week inch t-shirts he was super meticulous really made a great influence on me um just about crossing t's dot and i's being super detailed Accountable, all those things. And if you did one thing wrong, if there was one thing in your report that wasn't copacetic, it was marked in red and sent to you by FedEx. And, you know, that was a deal. But from then till now, I still think the bulk of it is the player interviews, the medical and just seeing the players move. You're going to get the numbers. The drills have been, you know, they've been just Worked on so much from the time the player season ends. You know, um, I don't. I think people still look hard at some of them. Um, but to your question, there's so many different ways you can you can kind of go about it. But we have so many employees now working on these things, and you have so many people that are kind of they splice it up different ways. I mean, I think every team does it differently. But at the end of the day, I think most people look at the core things that are here, which is the numbers, getting your hands on the player. Um, and then just seeing the players move in the drills.
3: When you bring up numbers and you think about quarterback, obviously so much attention around Bryce Young and what he's going to mm-hmm. measure in at height and weight wise. Let's say he's 5'11" 195. Mm-hmm. How concerning would that be for you?
1: I think it depends on the team. Like if some people there's some teams that philosophically and how some of these GMs have been raised from certain, you know, teams and GMs and those trees that they just they don't touch anybody that's not height weight speed at certain positions so they're going to pass on to barry sanders they're going to pass is quarterback you know,
3: usually one of those or, or
1: do you look at it, a russell wilson you look at drew Brees, and you say well those are the exceptions
2: but they those are new exceptions but isn't there a danger i've always heard ryan there's a danger of you know there's always exceptions to the rule yep but aren't you safer going by the rule than the exception
1: I'll tell you that's just to be really blunt I think it all depends too on where the head coach and that GM are in their in kind of their Contract here and where they're at because if you you're going to care a lot less about a guys' size when you put on the tape and he's blowing everybody else away in that class with his playmaking ability, his instincts, and just the way he throws the football. You're going to think less. So there's been guys that there's you have you have have hard evidence now of smaller quarterbacks being able to play at a high level in this league. How much of
2: a factor is it when you look at a prospect to look at? The receivers he 's thrown, in other words, if one guy is coming out of a marquee program but he 's thrown to three guys that are all going to be playing on Sunday, does that almost hurt his evaluation because you look
1: at like a Josh Allen, for example, at Wyoming, and you go okay well look who he 's throwing to and he yet he put up these numbers I, th- I think you can you can look at that obviously i don 't get i personally don 't get in the weeds on that too much it 's like saying. Well, this guy had 16 sacks, but did you see the tack left tackle? He had those sacks. Well, that's not his fault. Right. You know, so I think, like, if a guy pops on tape, nice cheese it socks, by the way, there. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I got
3: Sullivan's. You <laughs> yeah, had to yeah. stop at Sullivan's yeah. in your time here. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm running home yeah. yeah. to get my yeah. credential.
2: They let him in with cheese it socks. <laughs> I
3: got pr- Pringles at home <laughs> Come on, I try, to, try to rotate among yeah. the
1: uh, food groups. Yeah, my first, honestly, you say Sullivan's, my first. 49th and Penn, right there. My first, there's a Marriott right there. Right. Are you talk. Oh, no, no, the no Hardware. No. That's that one in Carmel. So there was a there was a Marriott in Carmel. When I first got here in 2012, I stayed at the Marriott there for like a month until I got into this condo. They put me up in here until my family moved like six months later. And there was a Sullivan's there and you know i would leave it'd be dark i would come back it would be dark and i had like one hour before they would close at sullivan's and i ate there literally no, every this night is a hard, he bought these at a hardware store hardware. not the sullivan well Steakhouse. i wouldn't think you'd get Cheez it's at the at, at <laughs> well Sul- I, at I, su- you, I correct your line of yeah. thought would be correct yeah. here it's, yes i'm still waking up so brussels sprouts
2: and
3: cheese it's on well, the side I, of the uh what restaurant sullivan's was menu? it
1: a must that
2: you i mean you're back so you're like okay i'm here for the
1: combine we have to go eat where well Shapiro's is, is, is numero uno for me. It's a twelve minute walk from this, from the Lucas Oil. <laughs> but who's timing it? <laughs> so so uh, well,
3: a lot of people are timing it. You
1: have to with this with how how we're just buried in these interviews. I mean you just you, going to the restroom or getting food is, is, is tough. Um, but I hit Shapiro's, I wanna to get to Fat Dance, haven't yet, of course hit Pat at you like three times already. The original was like by my house, you can't beat that. Um, I heard this Tony's is really good, the steakhouse. Yeah, the, I haven't me. been there, but it's yeah. supposed to be good. Venture into
3: yeah. Mama good Corolla's or Ambrosia? Are you going to get that I l- far north?
1: I, I love Yeah, that was right in my hood there. That yeah. was that was a go-to. I would just sit the bar there. Their mussels, and I'm a fish snob, because I've been out east on the water many times like throughout my career. It's kind of been home base, and and their mussels there, and the broth, is it's out of this world. Can't be beaten. You know, it, it's got to be interesting. I
2: For you— I just saw, actually, yesterday, the Vikings, they did, like, the player survey, and yeah. the Vikings got, like, yeah. straight A's in terms yeah. of, like, great organizations to be with. Yeah. So, you're in a good place. You're in a good home, obviously, you're Absolutely. with a good franchise. Is it weird to be an indie?
1: It was more weird, uh, you know, a handful of years ago. You know, it was more weird. Uh, but it's kind of, you know, it wears off. I think everybody has a kind of it takes everybody a little bit of time in this business um you know after you get let go and you when you come back to a place but it's my roots the thing is that people a lot of people don't understand is like my roots run much deeper than the colts i'm from indiana i met my wife i went to purdue played at purdue i have so many teammates and friends we made in india that are still here there's just so many people that i'm you know they're still close to my family and i that you know it's 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 not that weird um you know coming to lucas oil um, you know, I just like you know, Ty is not up there anymore. So it's like you know that you know we had the game this year with with with, with the Colts that you know the, the chapters that the chapters closed. I mean, it couldn't have been closed any better, really. You know, I, I told you Ryan Ryan Grigson's our
2: guest here at the at the scouting combine. We told the story twenty times this morning about my nightmare this morning as I got here and realized I grabbed the wrong credential. And they were not going to let me in at all, in any way, shape, or form. I had to drive. Bad morning. (laughs) It was awful. Okay, so I'm I'm running to my car. It was a nightmare. Is that kind of what the nightmare was when when you were down like fifty-seven to nothing to the Colts this year? You
1: guys end up winning that game, but yeah, it was it was. I mean, the NFL's. You know, obviously, every game you just never know. um, You know what's going to happen, but obviously, that was a monumental comeback is greatest in nfl history and you know you got four quarters of play like i <laughs> i've lived it so much we did you know we were down f- four scores you know with luck and i think that that was at the time the second greatest comeback in nfl history so it's pretty cool that you know i've been part of both those things and uh it's also taught me to that's why like most gms like that they never you don't ever send them a text like, until it's zero, zero, 0 on the clock. It just, you just don't. Because you've lived through too many times of, of either being on the right side or wrong side of that fence. If You, you can't jump the gun. There's just the crazy things happening in this league. And, you know, that game was, it was incredible. It was really incredible. Was that, for you, was that maybe the
2: sign or the moment where you realized that that page had been turned? Because maybe
1: emotionally, it wasn't what it would have been three years ago or five years ago. I mean, like, I would be a you know a fool like if if it didn't, you know, because if I'm being real, I mean, I'm a competitor. I feel uh, you know you know things didn't work out here. You know, we didn't win a championship. That's what you're that's what you're measured on. We had a head of hell of a quarterback. I was charged with you know building a team. win it all and I don't think we could have been by the book on a better trajectory until year four into year four um but you know that's life you learn from it and uh you know I'm I'm I I wouldn't trade it because what it taught me now going into these new these other roles I've been in I think has been seamless for me because I'm just an open book and I'm shameless with the people I work with and it served
3: me well. You you talk about the trajectory heading into year 4. What do you think changed? What what do you think went a different way? Our quarterback got hurt.
1: <laughs> I mean that's it's that simple. Um, you know, we you know, I also think it's, you know, about getting too far back into this deal. I think uh, you know, when when I think Hasselbeck was 40 at the time and I mean that guy couldn't have done a better job i mean he darn near took us into the playoffs and won a good number of games for us and, and Andrew's stead and and you know he won those 16 straight division wins that's that's the only ball i care about that i have for my time here and for any of the you know any of the stuff i you know had, had gotten you know that's that was something that's special for me you
0: know,
3: you're not talking i feel like that's probably what you're most proud of and correct yeah. me if i'm wrong yeah. is the 16 straight divisional wins on the flip side of that what would be maybe your biggest regret you
1: know not putting together what would have won a championship because ultimately uh, you know that's what you're charged in doing and you know was you know at the, your your older self is always something that you wish you could talk to your younger self um but there's a lot of learning on the fly uh, at a young age for me and you know i don't beat myself self up about it anymore it's in the past but uh again like a general manager's job is to take the bullets and to build the team And, uh, again, you know, I I never doubted that we'd win a championship we didn't, and that's life. I think the thing – Ryan Grigson's our guest. And before we get back into – because
2: I do have some questions about building a roster, like, you know, the challenges that takes place at the Combine, right? But tell me if this is a fair statement to kind of conclude, I guess, the the talk of Indy. My guess would be that you're a guy that the the most important things to you, aside from football – are you're a family guy that's an Indiana guy mm-hmm. and so Indianapolis was kind of by extension your family and you wanted more than life itself to be able to deliver to everybody here so then when it didn't happen you know you're thinking to yourself look like this I'm still family though like why, why like that's what's the challenge here is nobody wanted this more than I did for the people here because I'm one of them is that a fair statement
1: Yeah, I just don't think that was ever a connection that people made for whatever reason. And I think part of it is because I wasn't a social butterfly with the media. And that wasn't how I was raised in this business. That, whether that's right, wrong, or or a mistake, you know? I don't know, but that's how I was raised in it. And uh, my focus, and I'll never back off it, was about winning football games, doing whatever it took. That was my mindset, and I just really didn't veer off that. Whether it was, uh, you know, in hindsight, should I have talked to my agent and said, okay, on Tuesday, take an hour to talk to so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. I, I just had ants in my pants. I couldn't, it was, it was hard for me to, 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 to kind of like stop and do those types of
2: things. Well, what's the hardest thing about just, like at the combine, what's the hardest thing to, to determine of a prospect? Like when guys are here and they're watching, you talk about watching film and watching the yeah. drills.
1: What's the, just the hardest thing to really nail down about a player? if he's BSing you or not, I guess. I mean I I was I was walking through the um you know the walkway here from the JW and I bumped into an, old, into an old GM asking what he was doing now and he's, he's, he's training you know these, these players and getting him ready for interviews now <laughs> so he's on the flip side of it and he's right. like hey he talked to another GM and it was like I know you talked to this guy I could tell you talked to this guy <laughs> and it's just it's, 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 it's kind of funny um, but I, I feel and I told him I said you know what I, I think because I just circled names I keep it, keep it kind of simple I just circled names like when I watch film guys that pop like you know don't don't overthink it like if a guy comes in the room has a presence announces his name shakes your hand and looks you in the eye and everybody feels that that's easy that guy it's like when you throw on a film of a quarterback that's innately accurate that's no matter what platform he's on he's delivering the ball in a place that could be caught like don't overthink it and I feel like it's the same way when someone comes into the room don't start splitting hairs if you really think a guy is a you're feeling it and it's emanating from the type of person he is and it lines up with all the things your scouts said then circle that guy and and let him be a, a hard target did you ever have a guy that that popped off on tape because you were watching for somebody
2: else you know hey i'm, I'm gonna watch the film on x team because i want to see this player and then you're like whoa wait a minute
1: this all other guy's jumping out at me all the time all the time there was a corner i was watching the other day when i was doing a receiver and i was like okay, oh, and i just wrote to the top of my paper like all right number two. Is he coming out? Just because, you know, the corners I looked at this year, like I, you know, I, I like, you know, I like a, a good number of them, but um, this guy was really his tempo, his physicality, and just the things I kept seeing in my periphery that I wasn't even trying to look at. Those are the guys you want to really asterisk and and kind of make sure you make a notation and get back to him because if you're look if you're trying to focus on somebody else like you said and this guy keeps getting in, in your grill then you gotta you gotta take note of that what what position's deepest in this draft Do you think uh i think there's not a lot of premier uh lineman like that um you know you're like okay this guy's a top five guy or a top 10 guy but there's a lot of i think there's a lot of really good linemen in this draft um, both sides of the ball. I think offense. I think offensive line. Um, and now, def- you know, the thing is, is on the defensive side of the ball now. Things are so multiple now. It's like, what do we call this guy? Is he a D end? Is he a three-four outside linebacker? Is he a hybrid guy? Is he a nickel rush? You just like, say
2: edge for everything. That's what I do.
1: Well, that's what's handy guys an edge. That's what's happening. An edge. And we went to it from a four-three to a three-four in, in in Minnesota, and it was kind of like when I got here. It was like it was a four-three for so long. Like the scouts, were like what the what? Wait a second. These guys linebackers are on the on the on the line of scrimmage in there standing up and rushing the passer like you know what I mean so yep, right there's there's definitely a transition with all that stuff
3: we probably should ask you this before the interview but you got five minutes yeah okay we, we got to take a break I do want to get your thoughts uh, a little bit more on this quarterback class when we come back Ryan Grigson with us here live at the combine former Colts general manager currently with the Vikings uh, he's going to close out the show with us next all right one final time here back at the NFL Combine. Kevin Bow and Jake Query. Jake out of jail after not having his credential to start this That's Friday good. morning. That's good. Ryan Grigson saving us here to close things out. Ryan, asked you a little bit earlier about Bryce Young. Um, I give you three quarterback traits. What are the three most important?
1: you got to be a leader, obviously. I mean, the, the the great ones can put their team on their back. Uh, I think the way the league is set up now, um, you know, you you can say, "Well, if we have a solid guy and we build the something close to the 85 Bears defense, then maybe we have a chance." But I think in this day and age, I, I think that you need to have somebody that can really just put you on his back. and And I think accuracy and the ability to make plays under duress is kind of the, the really rounds it out.
3: Do you see multiple guys that check those boxes in this class? I do.
1: I do. I think that uh, there's a good cluster of players that, you know, if I was doing it, that I would be looking really, really hard at. Um, Every year, you know, no matter who you have, you're always looking at them, like every GM says. But, uh, you know, then you have to also look at the Brock Purdy's of the world. You know, I was, I got a Super Bowl ring with Kurt Warner. I was working in the Arena League like two years prior to getting that ring that an Arena League quarterback that wasn't supposed to make the team his first year there as a three. Um ends up winning so they're you got to figure out sometimes um some of those guys later too there's you know russell was in three there's there's examples you know you
2: wonder too like if trent green never gets hurt does kurt warner i mean do they
1: see enough in practice where they're like
2: man we got to elevate this guy brady's the same thing i mean yeah i mean there's, there's 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 it's destiny sometimes um in in today's day 2023 which would you rather have dynamic running back or elite tight end
1: it's starting the the running back thing is starting to is, is starting to kind of be the new in vogue kind of like you know you couldn't take one and one for a while and it's now kind of uh creeping its way back cuz there's some guys in this draft that can not only carry the rock but they're really good in the passing game. And that's
2: a big part of it, right? Yeah. You got
1: to be multidimensional. Yeah. And and the thing about the tight end thing is is I have a son now, it's a junior high school. That's a a wide tight end and I'm like, "Dude, if you can catch it consistently and you have length and you can actually win at the point of attack you're going to be so valuable because even in our league that tight end position they've grown into they've kind of grown into being just oversized wide receivers that can't win at the point of attack so uh you know if you find an elite tight end nowadays they usually can hold for like a one maybe a two count at the point of attack versus a defense center outside linebacker but they're really a receiver well your son gets to play it in 40 degrees below zero weather for half the season <laughs> too so that's yeah. fun right <laughs> yeah yeah i've got five teenagers now well a 20 year old and four teenagers
3: anybody so. playing hockey up there i remember they were involved in yeah. hockey back in the day
1: isn't that crazy like we when we were in indy like my 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 oldest boy he he's uh playing uh quarterback and um lacrosse now as a freshman at college and he was a he was a hockey guy and none of the rest of them play hockey and you know, when I first got to Minnesota, you you watch TV and they're they're put there's eighteen thousand people watching high school hockey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's yeah. Like at, a, the Excel Center. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't when I first saw it. I'm like, this is a high school game. I mean, we're talking twenty thousand people oh, watching yeah. high school hockey. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's nuts.
3: Uh, Ryan, thank you.
1: You got it. Good I seeing you guys. appreciate
3: the time. I know it's a super busy week, and uh, greatly appreciate good you stuff. By. Appreciate it. All right, guys. That's Ryan Grickson with us here. Uh, thank you to everybody that joined us all week long here at the combine. We are signing off. We'll be back in studio on Monday. Kevin and Query, one final time here at the Convention Center, Ninety-three five one zero seven five. The Fan.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between.
0: St. Jude treats children across the country and around the world, regardless of color, creed, or financial capability, because they're committed to love and care for their neighbors. Join me in helping St. Jude give every child with cancer the chance they deserve to survive. Together, we can save more lives. Call now to become a partner in hope. 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898.
5: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies jamming out to something new and everything in between.
3: All right, he's back, folks. I thought he might have been in the state pen. Okay, uh, Jake. I think what I'm going to do is this. All right. Okay. I think you're going to tell tell the story, right? Okay. I think I might slide over and listen to Bryce Young for for for, uh, for a couple. Yeah, minutes. that's a good idea. Okay. How does he look? Um, Short? here's the first picture I got. Is he on risers?
2: I was gonna say he didn't need he didn't need like a one of those like he's not very big platforms to stand up on. So C.J.
3: Stroud and Peter King chatting. I just tweeted out a picture of a Bryce Young uh, chatting. I forget who that ESPN personality is um, chatting right now. But yeah, the crowd starting to build as the quarterbacks are chatting. Some might argue who's the bigger person to just walk into the convention center? Was it Bryce Young or was it Jake Query? Yeah, well,
2: clearly it was Bryce Young because Jake couldn't get by security. Well, apparently Bryce couldn't either because let me tell you what happened. I'll be back, uh, folks. Okay. Uh, Um, This is 1,000% my fault, and I will own it. I absolutely erred, and we are fortunate to be able to have access to a lot of places, and I understand that, and I appreciate that. Today, later, I think most people know this is the opening weekend of IndyCar, and I am leaving from here to go to the airport. So as a result of that, I set out last night my IndyCar credential, which is very similar in everything else to my Combine credential. So I got up, as I have done each day, left the house at 20 after 6, and drove down here. And I walked into the convention center, it was about 645, 640, and our table, I'm looking right now at the entrance, the security entrance, it's 100 yards away, not even that, 20 yards away. So as I was walking in, they said, can we see your credential? And I unzipped my coat, here you go, and I said, oh my gosh, that's my IndyCar credential. I am listen I'm so sorry let me go up to the NFL credential desk and just get like a a day pass or a reprint which that's I mean I've done this for 25 years it's I'm not saying it's habitual but it's pretty not common but it's not you know whatever they they have your they printed your credential so they have you in the system and everything else so I go up to the table and the girl says uh yeah you we can't issue you a reprint without a police report of a stolen credential and I said, well, I, I, I don't know that it was stolen, but uh, okay, let me see if I can just get somebody to let me in. I, I thought surely somebody would say, we understand, you're, you're only going to be here till 10, let's walk you across. And they're doing their job, I get it. So they said, well, the NFL credential, the, the official credential gal shows up, when she gets here, she can issue you a reprint. They just did it yesterday for somebody else. And I said, wonderful. So i don't need it no just stay here and when they get here well, what time do they arrive well it might be 8 30 but it should be usually it's seven so it's six forty-five, six fifty at this point so at seven o'clock i walk over and the woman says what can i do for you and i explain exactly what i just said and she says well i don't know what to tell you you're not getting in without it and i said again i understand that um it, it, but uh, I, you know is there any way you can just look me up and verify that i mean i'm only going to be here for a couple hours you cannot get a reissue without a police report being filed for a stolen credential and i said okay then let me go ahead and file one of those out so we can get that process going here and i can get in there uh no i'm sorry you've already admitted that it's probably not stolen and you simply left it so therefore i'm not going to allow you to file a police report as a stolen credential you need to go home and get it Okay, And at this point, some uh, a very nice guy walked up with a big coffee and was like, Jake Quarry, I'm getting ready to listen to you on the radio. And I said, well, actually, you're not. You're going to listen to Kevin. So 100% my fault. I apologize, Kevin, for leaving you no, hanging good. out there. Yeah, I, I think sometimes we live in a world where a little bit of common sense can turn a one-hour dilemma into a three-and-a-half-minute dilemma, but the one-hour dilemma is on me. So there you go.
3: I was stunned. I got nervous. You know, I said to this to lead off the show, any time one of us calls each other before 7 a.m., it's not good news. Correct. And, I, and usually it's only it's only happened twice and it was
2: me both times. But did, won't you agree, I'm not – I'm not asking to to throw you under the bus here to have my back. What were the Cliff Notes version? But when I texted you and said, hey, can you step out and just verify, weren't you kind of expecting that they'd say, like, oh, we get, especially once I showed them video of me doing a video, which, by the way, is going to be on the website. Uh, I I did a video tour yesterday of me wearing my badge, walking around all of the restricted areas of the combine to verify. And and keep in mind, they printed the, I mean, they have it right in front. They're looking on the computer screen of my original credential with my photo. But anyway, I, I get it. I mean, the rules are in place for a reason. Uh, there, we It's very restrictive. By the way, you can still get your tickets uh, free for the combine if you'd like. I believe the website might still yep. have Yeah, you can
3: this. watch the quarterbacks tomorrow throw. Um, we got Rake on the line, you said, Mark? Yep, Ma- he got to listen to that whole story, so I'm sure he's all up to date now.
2: Greg, I want you to grade me. Greg Rakestraw <laughs> has walked through oh, man. a, a he, billion places where he needs a credential. A thousand credentials in it, his life. A to F, how, how, how like, egregious is my act? A to F on that. Um, I mean,
6: it'd be somewhere in the middle. Would you like me to tell you my story? How I talked my way into a Final Four without a credential?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly my point, though, Greg. Right? Like, I'll put it so this you have, a national football so Greg, league. right? This so, is Greg a Shield. I want to. I want to ask real quick, Greg Raystraw. You have or have not, accidentally before, shown up at an event and realized that you either grabbed the wrong credential or left it at home. Yes, that has happened to me before. Okay. Um, and but, when but, that happened, typically a combination of a computer and common sense kind of helped out in the situation, correct? And also
6: knowing the head of security doesn't hurt in that situation either. So I'm not sure if, if I had my credential. This was for the Final Four in 2006. You know, the great story of George Mason making the Final Four in Indianapolis. The three games were terrible. It was a miserable final four um, but I was pickpocketed on my way to the RCA dome. Like oh. looking back I, rem- I know exactly when it happened and like somebody slow walked in front of me and then somebody behind me lifted my wallet and from like that point forward for the last 17 years, I have n- I've never had a wallet in my back pocket has always been on my hip pocket or my front pockets for, for that exact reason. So I walked in and said, listen, here's what just happened to me. I'm sure I had to show some form of ID because at that point in time, the credentials weren't picture credentials. I said, here's what happened. So the boss basically went, or the person that was letting people through the convention center at the time, went and got their boss. Turns out I went to college. With the boss, he recognized me. I walked in. Two people that night got into the RCA Dome without, from a media standpoint,
2: without photo ID. I was one. Billy Packer was the other. Yeah, I mean, and Greg, <laughs> let's Jake, put, Jake, let's, Jake put, dropped the "Do you know me?" And I, I would never do that. I would <laughs> never, ever, ever Jake do does that. That on days and ends and why? So that, that's, that's <laughs> I would, I right would never, that. ever. As I've always said, if you have to tell them who you are, you are not. I would never exactly. do that. But, but again. I, the thing that's frustrating is, and we'll move on, but, you know, they issue the credentials so that she's looking right at the photo credential on her laptop of me, thus she knows that I am credentialed, but right. without the police report, I mean, come on, a police report. Anyway, uh, congratulations, though, to your high school, Greg. Thank you. Appreciate that. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun and thankfully relatively
6: easy on the broadcaster since Lanesville trailed for zero seconds of that game.
2: Wow. So you knew from the – so, so then the celebration was subdued, right? You know, it was, it was funny because they basically held the ball like the last minute 15,
6: uh, and, and it was it – was, I think the, the smallest lead was 11 in the second half. So, um, you know, I didn't have to like sweat this out uh, in terms of uh, watching the game unfold.
3: Again, Greg Ragsdaw is with us. ISC Sports Network. We're getting the sectional weather. Rake. Uh, it's rain here. Yeah, no doubt in, in central Indiana. It sounds like some snow uh, potentially up in the northern part of the state. Uh, let's say I run into somebody here at the combine, and they're like, "Oh, I'm just, I'm so tired of going out until 2 a.m. and you know schmoozing and drinking and all this. I, I want to experience Indiana high school basketball. Give me the best." location for two quality semifinal games tonight. Let's start there.
6: Come on down to Warren Central, buddy. Go see your alma mater play. Um, In the Sagarin ratings, uh, let's see here. Cathedral, LN, Attucks, and Warren are 3, 6, 8, and 26. So three top 10 teams, basically four top 25 teams. You've got the two teams that played in the city championship. You've got the runner-up as far as the county championship is concerned. And Warren is playing their best basketball of the season, and they have won five consecutive games. And I guarantee you it is going to be packed. I was there on Tuesday. It was about three quarters full for one game. It went to overtime, buzzer beater. It was loud. That sectional never disappoints. Come on out to the east side. If you can't make it, you can watch it on MyIndyTV and IHSAATV.org.
3: I love that venue. That's where we had sectional senior year, Um, certainly a loaded sectional. Okay, how about on on the flip side? Maybe not the best, like, pair of semifinal games on Friday night, but if somebody here at the Combine was like, I want to go get a taste of what Indiana high school basketball is all about, maybe kind of an off-the-radar, great gym, great atmosphere location here to hit up on Friday. You know, if you
6: want the small school experience, if you feel like making the drive to Delphi, um, Delphi's playing, Carroll is playing, Clinton Prairie is playing. They knocked off Central Catholic on Tuesday, which is a big deal. If you really feel like making the drive, go down towards the Jack Butcher Arena and Lagodi, uh, because you've got Orleans, Lagoti, Bar Reeve that are all still playing bar Reeb is not as good as they have been, but they're always going to have a great crowd. Orleans and Ligoti will absolutely pack that place. Again, those are 1A schools that play in a gymnasium that seats 4,700 people, and I guarantee you there will be more than 4,700 people in that <laughs> building tonight down in southwest Indiana. The only problem is is that you're probably going to have to pass NOAA on I-69 to get there because there's that much rain, you know scheduled for the southwest portion of the state today
3: oh they can bring in the fans two apiece, right well that you know you can bring up noah in the water tower isn't jack butcher on the side of the water tower down there jack is
6: on the side of the water tower uh and i'm not sure if they have altered it because he is no longer indiana's winningest coach but he is the only coach to have won 800 games at a single school that doesn't fit as well on the water tower but yes they can use
2: that as the north star to help find a jack butcher arena Hey, Greg, switching gears. Greg Gregstra is our guest on the Pithesikers Hotline. Switching gears to college basketball, I, I ask only because you've you know obviously been around <clears throat> the Horizon League. Uh, Antoine Davis falls three points short yeah. of Pete Maravich's record. But even though they are sub-500, that means that Detroit Mercy is not eligible for the postseason in terms of the NIT or the NCAA, but they can pay their way into like the CBI or one of the other tournaments. Do you think they'll do that? I think they will to give him a shot to break that record. Well, he'd uh, break it, right? Mercy, I mean, he only needs three. Correct.
6: Detroit Mercy is, is not a school that is flush with cash. I'm not sure that, that many of any of the Horizon League institutions are at this point. But yes, because he is so close, it would not surprise. And frankly, I would think to garner attention for that tournament, the organizers of the CBI would say, let's find a way to get you guys in. So I would not be surprised. Detroit Mercy is is playing a postseason game a couple of weeks from now.
3: Rick, I want to go back to high school just for a second. Here is Marcus Burton from Penn, who is currently, I think, still committed to Notre Dame. Shockingly, um, is he still the favorite for Mr. Basketball as we enter the tournament?
6: I think he has to be. You know, I mean, the highest rated recruit is, is Xavier Booker, and you know, once you have kind of the postseason run that he and Cathedral had last year, you have the off season of interest from a national recruiting standpoint. You know, he was the favorite going in. He's had a solid year. He's not had a spectacular year. Burton is is leading the state in scoring. He only got over 30 points a game. Penn's one loss has been to Ben Davis back at the Hall of Fame Classic on December the 30th. I think without doubt Marcus Burton is Indiana's Mr. Basketball.
2: Really? I It's interesting because I think there are so much How much do you think he can fill it up. I, no, I, and I'm not disputing his greatness at all. But there's how much does just preseason name recognition come into play, Greg? It, it, it comes into play a lot. Um, again,
6: Booker's averages, and I've, I've got them in my notes off, off the top of my head, he's averaging like, like 15 and 10. You know, it's it's solid. If you ask who's the best NBA prospect of this group, it's him, and it's not close. But his, but Xavier's numbers have not been, frankly, as good as they were at the end of last year. Uh, and so because Burton has led Penn to so many wins, because his numbers have been so big, and I do think that at minimum, they'll make it to, say, like the semi-state round, and it would not surprise me if they're the northern representative in the state championship game. Um, I, th- I think if there's even a small doubt, which I don't think there is, there's a small doubt he makes the Field House. the award is his. Preseason rankings mean a lot. But, again, I-, I think the superlative numbers he has put up, I think he's won the award.
3: Rake, last one from me, and I'm looking forward, honestly, to talking with, with Jake about this. I think it is such an incredible accomplishment what Purdue just did I mean, the fact that they go 7-3 and three away from home in the Big Ten, this is a team that lost the fifth overall pick, a first-team All-Big Ten guy in Trayvon Williams, mm-hmm. Stefanovic and their starting point guard who you know started a ton of games. They are going to win the Big Ten potentially by three games. Teams do not win the Big Ten by three games. I get that what happens in mid-March and beyond is going to be how the season will largely be remembered. But, I mean, shouldn't Purdue fans soak up what their team just did in this 20-game Big Ten regular season?
6: Yes, they should. But I also understand the phrase of recency bias, and you've not been playing well down the stretch, and your chief rival just beat you twice. So, so, So I get it. And let's face it, okay, the MO for Purdue fans is when's the next bad thing going to happen? And to some degree, they're kind of watching it unfold now. Um, And even last night, because it's not the vintage Wisconsin team, it's like, oh, hey, it's great that we won, but still wasn't exactly Purdue's best performance in terms of winning that game. So you are right. Purdue fans should be celebrating the fact they have won the Big Ten outright. Purdue has still had a season that has been better than probably anybody thought it was going to be going in. When you've been so good in November, December, January, and February was kind of blah for you,
2: it's hard to get what's been happening the last two or three weeks immediately out of your mind. And, you know, I also felt like, Greg, last night in particular, I I think there is a growing sentiment, and you tell me if you agree or disagree with it, that as we move further into March and Purdue anticipates going deeper, that that's going to call on more critical late minutes for Brandon Newman and to kind of get him sure. more involved than perhaps he was in the first half of the year. You agree with that? I, I believe he is their second best X factor. And let me explain. Zach
6: Eady is such, and I, I, I hate this phrase, but it's applicable here. He's such a unicorn. Okay? He, he, he is one of one in college basketball in terms of being able to get you a bucket you still have to have a guy that can create and get a shot for himself in a late shot clock scenario. That is why the thought was with Jaden Ivey, you've got that guy on your roster last year, you can make a deep run, didn't work out past the Sweet 16. Is Brandon Newman Jaden Ivey? No. Is he the closest that Purdue has to Jaden Ivey on their roster? Yes. He's got to be getting minutes and have a chance to have the ball in his hands and create something when necessary for this team to meet. He's going to to make a, a couple of big plays in the month of March if this team does something better than they have been, which is reach the sweet 16 round of the NCAA tournament.
3: Uh, Rick, you said Warren Central tonight, is that right? Warren Central tonight and tomorrow night
6: and then uh, Southport for me next Saturday. But uh, to me, the Friday night of the sectional is the best Night of high school basketball in the state of Indiana. I think I'm gonna have two great games tonight, and I cannot wait. And bring I bring your credential. It. <laughs> Thankfully, I think, I think Rake they, they actually rank rec- Billy Packer He's got on
2: Tuesday, so it <laughs> well, doesn't do you any good down here. I can tell you that much.
3: Rake, I know it's no one of your and jake i know it's a lot of people's favorite night of the year around the state so enjoy that scene at warren central and uh appreciate the time Greg. by the way jake uh, because you know
6: we'll have a production meeting here on the air uh travel plans for you sunday all good for your normal record
2: time at at the isc sports network on monday morning we will be running a OK. i am back by eight o'clock on sunday night greg oh that's easy okay just don't forget your credential <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> it's right here. That's what. That's what I, I try to use my IndyCar credential to get into the combine today. It didn't work. What a Don't shocker! Take it off. And the rest Appreciate of the it, Greg. We'll see keep you on keep Monday. It
6: on your person. You guys enjoy the rest of your day.